Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Once you're past the fourth grade. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network, which we're hoping you'll set to automatic downloads for Daily Shot and for our other shows every day. It really helps out. You can do that on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, everywhere that podcasts are available. Just go to your settings and set us to show up in your app automatically. That way, you know, you just get in the car or go for your jog the next time. We're already in there. We've already been downloaded. Steelers and Cowboys this coming Sunday in Arlington, Texas, 425 p.m. Eastern Time at AT&T Stadium. No one's excited about this game. No one should be excited about this game. I'm still excited about this team. I'm still excited about discussing different facets of this team, particularly areas in which they can improve. That, that's been kind of a theme for me both in writing and speaking, through this whole 7-0 start. I feel like it's been more interesting not to nitpick uh, and not to search out for the negatives, but to look at the areas where the team can get better and to get to where they should be. Because now it's no longer just a hope that they should be a Super Bowl contender. They are that. You don't get to 7-0 and and not have that attached to you. But they're not there. They're not, they're, they're not there. Uh, I keep describing them as a perfectly imperfect team because record perfect, them not. They have it. It's, it's in there. But they got to bring it all out, and they got to bring it all out at the same time. But here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. The Steelers are going to go down to Texas, and they're going to do exactly what you would expect to the Cowboys. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout score or whatever. That stuff doesn't matter. Get the W, stay healthy, uh, get off the field, get out of the stadium, fly home. You know, Don't overthink it. Regardless of whatever, if it's – you know, 14 points, 17 points spread, covering the spread. None of that stuff matters. In and out. Ideally, Mason Rudolph plays half the game. There, how about that? 
I don't think that'll happen. I'm just saying. But here's what's going to happen. They're going to go 8-0. There's the jinx part. You can go ahead and say it. But they are. They just are, okay? And then they're going to play the Bengals, who they should also beat. Then they're going to play the Jaguars, who a lot of people thought going into this season were going to be the worst team in the NFL. Then they won their first game, and then all they've done since then is lose every game they've played and lose Gardner Minshew, and and they stink. Notice I didn't even bother telling you that the Bengals stink. It's just it's just redundant. It's a waste of my time, a waste of your time. So you're looking now at 10-0. and 0. And then there's the Ravens. On Thanksgiving night in Pittsburgh, there's not going to be some big crowd by then, not the way the coronavirus is heading. And you're going to see, you know, another Steelers-Ravens game. It's going to be separated by three points, four points max, and somebody comes out on top. If it's the Steelers, if it's the Steelers again, then they're 11-0. And I'm definitely not chalking that one up in the W column. I didn't predict them to win in Baltimore. So I have no right to do that. Then comes Washington, which is currently 2-5, and five, but isn't any good either. I mean, they're in the NFC East, like the Cowboys, which is the only reason they have two wins. Then there's another, another tough one the week after that against the Bills, who are 6-2, and two, but the Bills have not played any anything like what they did last year other than a couple of strong offensive performances from Josh Allen. Their defense in particular has not been 2019 level or anything close to it. And that was the foundation of that Buffalo team. That's the way they've been built up to get back into the playoffs to contend. And look, they're going to win the AFC East in part because the Patriots have fallen apart. But I don't know that this Buffalo team is what that one was. Where are we now? Is that 10, 11, 12? Okay, so that's 13 and 0. Then the Bengals again. And then there's a, a strange game. This one's in Pittsburgh against the Colts, who they're currently 5 and 2. And they're built entirely on what's become one of the NFL's top two or three defenses, and I don't know that anybody could argue that point, certainly statistically. Um, they haven't exactly built a brand for themselves. They're not uh, a team or even a defense that people around the league are talking about, whoa, that Indianapolis defense or anything like that. But that doesn't make their showing to this point in the season any less real. So now... We are at 15 and 0 heading into the annual fire everyone in Cleveland game against the Browns. Of course that happens after the Browns lose that game every year. And the Browns are currently 5 and 3 and they're the phoniest 5-win team in football. And I say that with all due respect to other mediocre teams with winning records. So, 
What do you think? No, no, me neither. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to happen because they're going to get through eight games, and that's the halfway point. You think these are the – at least some of the toughest games they're going to play have already been put into the books, meaning we can rewrite history and pretend that we didn't think Pittsburgh-Cleveland was a big game because they ended up destroying the Browns. And the Browns ended up embarrassing themselves on top of that. But it was, you know, from the standing standpoint. We can rewrite history about the Tennessee game because the Titans went on to lose the following week. But that was, you know, two undefeated teams, one of the latest points in recent NFL history for two teams like that to run into each other. The Steelers took care of business there. And then then came the Ravens. None of these games that follow this look like they'll be that tough other than the rematch with the Ravens. And, and who knows even how that'll turn out because Baltimore is losing some people to injuries, and I think they're kind of getting exposed a little bit too. They're not that 14-2 and two team from last year. But you don't, you don't run the table in the National Football League. You just don't. It's too hard. There's too many different things that can go wrong. Whether it's a, a turnover, a takeaway, or something worse like injuries. Look, we've seen just in the past week how much the Steelers can be affected by an injury or two. De Devin Bush is a really, really good football player, but more important than that, he was brought in to fill a very specific element to that defense that had been missing since Ryan Shazier's injury. And he did it, and he did it well, and he did it unselfishly, too. Bush gave up splash, gave up stats, in pursuit of what the coaches wanted, which were some unglamorous assignments, and making sure that the other team couldn't beat your blitz by just dropping the ball over their heads on screen passes because he could go sideline to sideline. The Steelers don't have that player. They don't have a player to replace that player. Ulysses Gilbert had, past tense, some of the same skill sets, but now he was placed on IR yesterday with the recurrence of a back injury, and anybody who's had a back injury of any kind knows they will recur, and they will recur for a reason. I wouldn't be expecting much out of Gilbert the rest of the way, if anything at all. So there's going to be different things that go wrong. I'm not even getting into some of the worst-case scenarios. You know what I'm talking about. That I'm not going to mention. I'll, I'll talk about jinx stuff all day. I'm not going to get into hypothetical so-and-so who's going to get hurt. But 16-0 won't happen. Where will they end up as long as I'm having fun with this? That schedule that I read off to you doesn't look like it has three losses on it the rest of the way. 
Um, it's very, very, very hard to go 14-2, and two, but the Ravens did it last year. Uh, it's not unthinkable. I could see a couple of losses here. I could. I, I could see at Buffalo being a little bit tough, uh, assuming the Bills get their defensive act back together. Um, I do think beating the Ravens or any good team twice in the same regular season will be difficult. Doesn't mean they can't do it, but it's it's going to be probably the biggest challenge that they have the rest of the way. And I'll throw in another one at you here because I don't think that much of the Colts. The other one that I'll mention to you, don't laugh at me, is Cincinnati. See, you're laughing. Stop it, seriously. If you haven't seen the Bengals, um, they're still lousy overall. Uh, They still can't play defense at all, and they still have no offensive line. But the things that Joe Burrow is starting to do there look genuinely special. This isn't like, you know, one of those random number one overall quarterbacks who goes to that other team in Ohio and just has their career just collapse under them. Joe Burrow is the real deal. Uh, He's going to be a star if he isn't already in the National Football League for a lot of years. And he's developed a, a very good rapport. And this is fun to see independent of that with Tyler Boyd the former Clareton kid who was outstanding at Pitt, and I was convinced was going to have a wonderful NFL career. And not everything worked out for him in Cincinnati, not least of which is staying healthy. The Bengals, between those guys and Joe Mixon, they they have some threats, and they're capable of being that third lot. We're still looking at 13-3. and with a loss to the Bengals. See, that's the other thing. You gotta have a, you gotta have a crappy loss. Every team has a crappy loss. There's nothing wrong with that 16 game. But hey, what do I know? All I'm doing is saying all this stuff just to Jason, right? <laughs> when we come back, let's talk a little bit about actual. Star matchups to borrow Mike Tomlin's term that the Steelers have been playing. Uh, th- this one isn't that. This one is a, a zero star, and by that I'm referring to the star that's in the middle of the Cowboys' field at the 50-yard line at AT&T Stadium. Uh, they're they're just terrible. They were terrible when they had Dak Prescott going. Dak Prescott was leading the NFL in passing yards, was doing really really well on his own, and everybody else was lousy. Well. Now that Dak Prescott's been hurt, then Andy Dalton gets hurt. Then they try Ben DiNucci, the kid who couldn't make it at Pitt, who's a really good high school player at Pine Ridgeland. Watched him just get eaten alive in Philadelphia the other night. Mike McCarthy, to his credit, said yesterday he's going to try two other people 
whose names even he can't remember, so I definitely can't remember. He's going to be picking from one of those guys at practice. This is a joke. I mean, the, the whole thing is going to be just a joke. But, but, it sure would be nice if the Steelers could return to stopping the run. And you knew I was going to say that, right? This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who filed workers' comp claims, who are working through medical malpractice. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. That's their thing. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. They've been doing that, keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, Elwood City. You can also learn more about them online at lgkg.com or give them a call, 888-842-5454. And as the old radio saying goes, tell them we sent you, lgkg.com. When we talk about stopping the run, the first thing that we're talking about is having the defensive line healthy. Um, I can't state that strongly enough. When the Steelers surrendered 265 yards on the ground to Baltimore, they did so to an opponent that was playing without its top running back, without its right guard, and without its all-pro left tackle, the latter two having been hurt during the game early on. That's beyond belief. If you want to talk about Lamar Jackson, that's great. Lamar Jackson had 65 of those yards, which means the other 200, 200 went to the running backs. That can't happen. There's no circumstance under which it would have happened had Tyson Alulu not gotten hurt. Cam Hayward had some things to say about run defense, not surprisingly, yesterday in his call with us. You know, the rushing yards were definitely a concern. Um, after looking at the tape, um, we didn't stay sound. We didn't stay gapped uh, in, in our, our gap integrity. Um, we got to continue to improve on that. We're dealing with a heck of a back this week. Um, Zeke is, you know, that guy. You know, he is the premier running back in our league. So we got to make sure guys tackle well. We're in our gaps. Um, and then we, you know, when one guy misses, we have another three guys ready to attack. That's very much who Cam is. He kept using we, we, we. It, it wasn't we. It wasn't Hayward and Stefan Tuitt. It was Isaiah Bugs taking Alualu's place or trying to take Alualu's place. Isaiah is a different case. Isaiah is going to do things that impress you, and he sure did them later in the game. He's going to beat people one-on-one. -on -one. He's going to have outstanding moves to get to the quarterback or to the backfield for a tackle for loss. And you're going to think, wow, this guy's a real deal. He actually reminds you a little bit, uh, technique and craftiness and shiftiness-wise, 
to Javon Hargrave. And you think, wow, that's great, and he's young, and he's got all this energy, and he's, uh, you know, a, a, a new name, new face, and everything else. He's not yet the answer. I'm, I'm trying to find a nice way to not bury a kid, okay? If he were to develop the discipline, the patience that you just heard Cam referring to, that'd be a different story. But not everybody's wired like that. Defensive line is an unusual position. It requires primarily a natural aggression to your football personality. You, more than anyone else on the field, offense or defense, are trying to rip someone's head off who is lined up right in front of you. The offensive linemen, they're just trying to push you back. They're trying to get in your way. The reason they're trying to get in your way is because you're trying to rip someone's head off. It's it's a special, special thing as occupations go. And yet when it comes to run defense... you got to be responsible. Instead of trying to fight through your block, instead of thinking, rip head off, rip head off, rip head off, you have to shed the block. You have to back off the block. You have to move to the right or to the left just to fill a lane. That's what Cam meant when he said gap integrity. That's what he's talking about. There's a certain gap for which... Each defensive lineman is responsible on a clear running play. And what Bugs did repeatedly in Baltimore, and I mean repeatedly, despite, according to Mike Tomlin, the head coach and everybody else letting him hear it every time he came off to the sideline, was he kept trying to fight through the blocker. He kept trying to rip the head off. I'll repeat that some of that is forgivable. This is a player who, for the most part, hasn't been given a chance to make much of an impression on the field in regular defense situations. So when he's lined up in training camp, he's looking for a way to get people to notice him, you know? That's normal. And the way you do that is rip people's heads off. It's not by filling gaps or maintaining gap integrity. I can imagine what's happened with bugs in the Steelers' virtual classrooms. And, of course, they're all virtual this week, thanks to Marlon Humphrey and the Ravens. I can imagine the bludgeoning Isaiah Bugs is taking in the film studies and everything else. Because believe me, they're not showing Bugs the couple of highlights from the end. They're showing him everything else. You are not anything as a defense in the National Football League unless you can stop the run. 
I have believed that forever. Nothing that changes within the NFL will change my mind on that subject. Bugs will have to become a better defender against the run almost instantly. So if you want to look for a plus or something that might actually be entertaining and worthwhile from this game Sunday, lock in on him. Lock in. Try as much as you can. TV's not great for that sort of thing. For that matter, watching the game live isn't that great for that sort of thing. Uh, Deep dive, slow motion, overhead camera film analysis is great for that. But you usually don't get those things. Um, We have a a deal with the National Football League. Uh, Chris Carter gets what's called the All-22 film from the league that he can use in his various studies, and he shares some of those clips with us. That's where you can appreciate offensive line and defensive line. But try, but try. This will be worth it because let's say Alu is out for, you know, whatever the estimate ends up being, if it's two to four weeks, if it's four weeks he'll miss the Baltimore game, which wouldn't be ideal, but at the same time you don't want to rush him back for any regular season game. If that's the case, then this is a little bit of a chance here. Not a little bit. It's a a lot of a chance for Bugs to make an impression and to really meaningfully add to what is already the Steelers' greatest strength whenever all three of their defensive lines are healthy. Hockey coming up. At Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. You know, it's a, it's an honor um, to be part of a uh, organization like Pittsburgh Penguins. Welcome back. Closing out today's program. Uh, just a couple of minutes to share some observations about Patrick Alvin. He is the Penguins' new assistant general manager under Jim Rutherford. And it's a it's a pretty inspired choice, if I do say so myself. The third segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. Visit growsharethrive.org. That's the website to find out about the new way that you can give to the food bank and have that matched. Make more out of your contribution. All it takes is $1 to provide enough food for up to five meals. Giving you the website one more time, growsharethrive.org. Alvin was the Penguins' head amateur scout for the past four years. And there's a Maytag repairman joke to be had in there somewhere. Um, 
being the Penguins head scout at a draft, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a team that doesn't exactly hold on to its picks, particularly not the high ones. What's impressed me about Alvin, in addition to the caliber of his drafts, and if this sounds superficial, so be it. You can look at his resume. You can try to determine uh, whatever you can about his hockey background, um, whether that reaches back to Sweden or what he's done since he's been with the Penguins. But I'll tell you this, every single encounter I've had with the man has been a knock dead experience. He is impressive. I have said this before. I'm not saying this now just because he got this post. Uh, the way he conducts himself, the way he speaks, got a little bit of a Swedish accent, but if you listen to Swedes, uh, their English is immaculate. They learn it uh, as children and just because of some sort of fluency that exists between Swedish and English have a rather easy transition to it, but there's still enough of an accent. But you know how that is with hockey. You hear a Swedish accent, or and it actually just makes them cooler. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is a weird show. Just deal with it. Patrick Alvin has always impressed me. I'm happy to see him get the opportunity. Um, there's too much of a mindset in sports in general that management positions, coaching positions always have to go to former player this, former player that, and they get judged, including in the public, by what they did as players as if that matters. We could go back through some of the greatest coaches and managers in all of Pittsburgh sports history and believe you me, most of the names of the best of the best wouldn't come back because they were great players. They happened to be great coaches or managers. Alvin has the background. He has the comportment. To repeat that again. And he just has always struck me as being so smart and I think having someone like him serving under Rutherford with possibly, possibly a pathway to succeeding Rutherford someday, that's a, that's a positive for this organization. It is. Um, it's, it took a long time for the NHL's culture to allow for any Europeans to work their way into coaching or management. We now have Yarmo Kekalainen, the Finn, as GM in Columbus. We'll see where this one goes, but a lot of this stuff has been a long time coming. There are brilliant hockey minds, needless to say, uh, in Europe. Giving them a chance is one thing, but giving this individual a chance is something else entirely. Very, very impressed with what Jim Rutherford has done on this front. Thanks so much for listening today. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. 
safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.